Well, good morning. Yeah, I heard a couple people. Here, the, I, I saw this, and I, when Taproot does a fun stage, sometimes you have to try things. And The sermon is about to begin. I, I came on staff here uh, as the worship director uh, 13, 12 years ago. 12 years ago, goodness. Um, and the very first set that, that they did uh, when I came on staff was um, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And so we were worshiping in Pharaoh's court, which has always stuck with me as like a really great metaphor for <laughs> the church in our culture, worshiping in Pharaoh's court. All right, anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're doing. I just wanted to ring the bell. Yeah. Uh, one of the ways that a movie can ruin it for me, like they can just kind of take me out of the experience of, of entering into the world that the movie is trying to create is when there's a dialogue that's just a little too perfect. Or in particular, when someone says just the exact right thing. Because that never happens in real life. <laughs> At least for me, that never happens in real life. What happens for me is I'll have a conversation. And I'm, I, I am sharing this in the spirit of confession. So take it as that. Uh, that I, I will have a conversation and I will think about it then 10 minutes later as I'm driving away, and I will rehash the conversation, and that's when I will say, I'll have the perfect thing to say, right? Uh, sometimes it's like the perfect comeback, you know, or it's the, it's the thing that, oh, this would have summarized everything. This would have changed their mind and their heart, and we all would have been on the same page at the end of it. And my, um, my tendency to do this reveals in me a, a fear of what I do not control. Uh, it, it, it reveals in me that what I really want to do in these conversations and in these interactions is I really want to control the outcome. Uh, uh, but I don't have that control. Um, but I think if I could have the perfect thing to say, that I could just, you know, I'd be able to control the outcome of that conversation. Um, yes, so my, my, these fictitious conversations, and I, I'm probably the only person here that has these, these fictitious conversations in my head really reveal uh, this fear of what, of what is out of my control. But they have also served um, as an invitation to prayer, as a roadmap towards taking these encounters, these conversations, these situations that are clearly out of my control, turning them into prayers to God, uh, releasing them into Jesus' care. Uh, and if I can, in my mind and heart, if I can listen in those moments to that still, small voice of the Spirit, um, I find an invitation to something that is better, something ultimately that brings freedom to me instead of this anxiety about control. Uh, and that is surrender but also delegation. Uh, this is one of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, surrendering my, desire, my desired outcome and then delegating the whole thing to Jesus. And this ultimately, if I can listen to that voice, if I can take this anxiety and turn it into prayer, oftentimes that leads me into much deeper places of freedom rather than anxiety. Not always. Sometimes I just have those conversations in my head and the anxiety winds up. Um, if you've ever had a tension-filled conversation, if someone's ever broken up with you, you probably have experienced this uh, desire to control the outcome of, of an interaction. Um, or maybe it's just me. But uh, 
As we read today from Luke 7, I want you to think about surrender and delegation. Those are things I think we encounter in this passage. So turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to Luke chapter 7. I believe it will be on the screen as well. Jesus has just uh, finished teaching, um, and some of the things that he's just finished teaching in the Gospel of Matthew are part of the Sermon on the Mount. So Luke kind of condenses that. That's just, that's where we're at. And so I wanted you to know that when we begin in verse 1 here, which is, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and was about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. And so Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I myself did not come, did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God for that. Let's pray. Lord, be our teacher this morning as we encounter you through your word. Grow our faith that it might reflect more the faith of the centurion. Grow our understanding of your authority. and Heal what needs to be healed. We ask this all in the strong name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So I'm, I'm married into a military family with a captain for a wife and a colonel for a father-in-law. Uh, right, Summer and Bob, they understand this sort of chain of command that the centurion explains here, right? That they had people over them who were delegating and dictating what they were supposed to be doing, and they had people underneath them who they were managing and who they were then delegating the work to so that the overall work got done. Um, that, that's, that was not my, uh, not my experience. Uh, but, um, but as we encounter that word authority, I would imagine that for many of us, uh, our initial reaction is resistant. Our initial reaction is to associate negative things with that word authority. I think that's certainly true if you're to take in our culture more broadly, right? Authority is probably more often than not spoken about in negative terms. Um, and there's good reason for that, right? Uh, whether that's personal experience uh, that we've had or that loved ones have had, or I mean, you don't have to look very far in the news to see people with authority, with power, misusing it, abusing it, 
using it for their own self-serving needs rather than using it to serve those around them. So it's not unwarranted that we would view and, and see authority that way. But in Luke's gospel, uh, the Greek word is exousia, for those of you who care. Um, he uses this word quite a lot. Like this authority is a big deal to Luke. And almost always when he's talking about Jesus or people are talking about Jesus or Jesus is using that word, it's referenced positively. Like this is a good thing, this authority that Jesus has and that Jesus delegates. It's a theme that Luke comes back to because he wants his readers to understand that Jesus has authority over everything. And when we understand that and when we believe that, uh, that changes how we live. That, I think, is really the, the primary point of this, of this story. Uh, there's a lot of different themes that, that come up in this encounter, right? Uh, certainly themes of healing. We're in Luke 7. Uh, last week we were in Luke 4. And in those in-between chapters, Jesus heals a lot of people and continues to do that throughout Luke's gospel. Luke, we, to the best of our understanding, Luke's a doctor, so he cares about this stuff. He's curious uh, and intrigued with all of these healings, and that's just a, a, a huge part of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Jesus, it's clear that his reputation had preceded him and that this centurion had heard about this man who had this power to heal, and that's what even starts this whole interaction, is Jesus' reputation that he is a healer. That's a theme. Um, this man is an outsider, right? He's part of the occupying army that is, that is overseeing, uh, and not always kindly, the, uh, the, the Jewish people here. Now, this man clearly has, has a good reputation with the Jews. They, they commend him to Jesus. This man is taking care of us. He built us a synagogue. You should, Jesus, you should heal his, his servant. But nonetheless, the fact remains that this man is an outsider, uh, and this is another theme that Luke continues to expand, especially if we remember that Luke wrote both the, his gospel and the book of Acts. And if we look at the trajectory between those two books, we see Jesus' ministry starting among the Jews, among his people. But even here, early on in his ministry, we get this foretaste of where the gospel is going, which is everywhere, to everyone. So that's a, that's a theme we're going to encounter again and again in Luke's gospel, too, or is the unexpected people that Jesus brings in to his fold, that he calls to be his disciples. Humility is another theme in this one. Uh, this man, though he is in some position of authority, uh, he also is, is humble before Jesus. Uh, he, he, he recognizes authority, and that affects his own attitude. But the main point, uh, and what, you know, what we get in the, in the pinnacle here, where Jesus marvels at this man, is the connection between authority and faith. Right? This man expresses to Jesus that he understands and believes that Jesus has authority over everything. And Jesus, in turn, says, that's faith. That is faith demonstrated. And this is the faith that you should emulate. Like, I haven't seen this in my own people. This is the kind of faith that God is looking for. So what is that connection? And how, what does that mean for us? Right? How do we grow in our faith? In Christ, And how do we grow in our understanding of just what kind of authority Jesus does have over everything? So the centurion, right, he's reflecting on his own position, his own work, uh, and the fact that people tell him what to do and that he can tell other people what to do, and they follow. He, they understand the weight that comes with authority. That authority gets things done, right? It's effective. Um, 
And you, we see this even in how he asked Jesus, right? He doesn't go himself. He sends people. He delegates to other people to go on his behalf. And he connects, he makes a really interesting connection here um, that gives us a, a glimpse again into just who Jesus is, where he says, just say the word and my servant will be well. And this should set off all kind of alarm bells in our mind, uh, connecting this back to the creation account. This is how God created the world and everything in it, by simply speaking a word. Let there be, and there was. So we get some, some hints here of the sense that the centurion understood that this was not just a miracle worker, not just a healer, but, uh, but perhaps God incarnate, who in the creation of the world simply spoke, and it was. And with the healing of, of his valued servant, could just speak, and the servant would be healed. That power through speech, through the word. And Jesus, in response, is amazed, which doesn't happen a lot in the Gospels. A lot of Jesus' encounters with people leave him the opposite of amazed at them. Um, But there's a few moments where Jesus is in awe, and he points people out as examples. So the, the, the extremely poor woman who gives just a copper penny in the temple becomes for us the example of what it means to give. Jesus says, look at her. That's the example of what it is to give, to surrender everything to God. This centurion becomes for us the example of what it is to live by faith. We, um, so faith, faith is another theme that Luke comes back to uh, quite often. We often emphasize, and rightly so, that there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. There is nothing that we can do to get God to forgive us more than he has. We, we can't force God's hand by being gooder than we are. Uh, and this is true, right? This is what grace is. Grace is just, it's a free gift to us of God's favor. But that doesn't mean that we don't have something to do in this relationship, uh, just sitting back and being apathetic and doing nothing is not how this, relationships work, this relationship works. In fact, it's not how any relationship works. Um, what, what we are asked to bring to this relationship with God is faith, active trust. So the centurion models for us what that means and how it invites us into this, this lifelong journey of growing in our faith. All right, jumping back to this word authority here, uh, it's translated in the New Testament a number of different ways, uh, certainly um, authority, obviously, uh, but jurisdiction or a sphere of authority. So it kind of talks about here's this realm that you have power and you have influence. You have the ability to make something happen in this realm. And I started to think that the phrase that came to my mind was stay in your lane, right? This is sort of a, a modern way of... of Understanding, like, the sphere of authority, right? And, and we often use it in a, maybe a derogatory way where we're like, don't tell me about that. You stay in your lane. I can do whatever I want. But part of life is figuring out what's in your lane and what's not in your lane. <laughs> um, I, have a, uh, I have a coach, a pastor coach, that I, I meet with over video chat about once a month. And he always ends our sessions with one of the best questions. It's a two-parter, and it's this. 
what is in your control and what is not in your control. And that always catches me uh, because I, I rarely take the time to stop, reflect on my life, and ask honestly, okay, what is actually, you know, in this area that's, that's causing me anxiety or this relationship or this whatever it is, what in any given circumstance is really truly under my control and what is not? And that question will either terrify you or lead you into freedom depending on how you view who then is in control of the stuff that's not in your control or what happens with the stuff that's not in your control. If that's just chaos, then that is a frightening question. But if that is a loving God, a Savior who truly has authority over all things, then that is a question that can lead us into greater freedom and peace which I think is his point in asking me that question. I don't think he's trying to increase my anxiety. <laughs> right, this question helps us to stay in our lane. <laughs> it helps us understand what's, what's not in our lane to mess with and what stuff that maybe that's in Jesus' lane to deal with. The centurion, he, he knew what was in his control. He understood his ability to delegate orders to people around him, and he knew what wasn't in his control. The healing of this beloved servant but he knew who to go to. He knew what to do with that. We sung this song about surrender, um, which is a very, that's a word, I don't know how much you, that happened, that, that word is spoken outside of the context of church these days. Maybe that's part of your normal conversations. Um, but I was thinking uh, another word that is like it, but a little different, is this, this word delegation. Now that's a word I imagine we all hear uh, in some capacity in our work or in our homes, um, we're delegating things to other people or we're being delegated to. And I want to suggest that one of the questions for us, as we ask all the time and are faced with the reality of what's in our control and what's not, that there are things that we need to surrender to Jesus, but there are also things that we need to delegate to him, that we need to say, this is yours to deal with. Uh, this is not mine. This is yours. I'm delegating this to you. This is under your authority. Take it. I, I was thinking about how this might work with, with money, for example. So the, the resources that we have at our disposal, we, I mean, we just sung about this. We just prayed these prayers. We surrender this to Jesus. We say, Jesus, this is yours. It's All of this is yours. But the anxiety over resources, the anxiety over money, over a job that will pay enough money, the worry of that, that we delegate to Jesus. That's his to worry about, to be our provider, to be the God who, the same God who provided manna and quail in the wilderness for the Israelites for 40 years as they wondered, to trust that in delegating the worry and the anxiety of that to him, that he's the same God who provided for them and who will provide for us. Maybe it's two sides of the same coin, maybe it's two different angles on the same thing, but it's been helpful for me to think about there's, there's things that I need to surrender and then there's things that I need to delegate to Jesus. It goes both ways too, though, this sense of delegation and authority. And we're going to spend more time on this uh, in future passages where the emphasis is more on what has Jesus delegated to us because that's part of the beauty of how Jesus 
uses authority, how he views authority, is that he, he, he gives it away. He, he gives it to his disciples, and he says, everything's under my power and authority, and I'm giving it to you, therefore go. Go and, and, and heal people. Go and make disciples. Go and love your neighbor. Um, so it's not that we don't do anything, right? There are legitimately some things that are in our lane, that are under our control, that are under our authority. Um, but we recognize that all of that has come to us from Jesus, who has all authority. That's for another sermon. But I wonder if the question for us this morning is to just ask that same question that my, my coach asks me, which is, what is in our control? What is in your control? And what is not in your control? And what do you do with that short or long list of things that land in the what is not in your control category? And can we learn something from this centurion, this outsider, who had a clear sense of how authority worked and a clear sense of what to do with the stuff that was not in his control. I, I have been ha- reflecting on uh, my propensity to have these fictitious conversations, these meet-up conversations in my head where I have the perfect comeback, the perfect one-liner. Um, and, and, and those can be, and, and the things that you have, have, if there's things that have come to mind even right now as you're thinking about what is, what is not in my control, um, my guess is that your initial reaction to that is like a little bit of a heightened uh, heartbeat, <laughs> uh, maybe a little, a little rise of the anxiety. But, but if you can capture that right, right at the beginning and say, this, um, this is a roadmap for me. This is a roadmap for prayer, a roadmap to take this and to say in faith, Jesus, I'm delegating this to you. It's too big for me. It's not mine to own. It's not under my sphere of authority. Uh, this is yours. I think that that is a practice that will build in us this life of faith for the long haul. So that's the invitation this morning, is to uh, ask and answer that question, and then we're going to turn it into prayer together. Um, we, often, we often pray before we come to the Lord's table, and we're going to leave some silence. I have a prayer I'm going to uh, lead us in, and some needs in our community that we're going to lift before the Lord in prayer. Um, and we do that, not just because, we're not informing God, right, of things that he doesn't know. No, no, he knows these things. What we're doing is we're practicing delegation and we're practicing surrender. So, I'm going to read the passage one more time to wrap it up and then just leave it silent for a bit and then I'll, I'll lead us in prayer as we come to the Lord's table this morning. So when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. And there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and was about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation. He's built our own synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But just 
say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. That one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house, and they found the servant well. 